Hey everybody, welcome to the N American F1 podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Klein, and we are talking the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix for 2022. Uh, apologies if I sound a little under the weather. I've been going through a little cold, so you're going to be hearing me sniffling and, you know, trying to get through this. But Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, as a race, Abu Dhabi is... Probably one of the most boring tracks for a season finale. Listen, there are so many better options for a season finale. And I don't know. I just think that Abu Dhabi has, aside from last year, right? When has there been really like an Abu Dhabi race where you're like, man, that was a great race, right? Like, when have you been like, this is the race I want to see. This is the one that is that I look forward to that I circle on my calendar honestly like and I don't know maybe it's because we get so used to like you know we already have the championship winner done I mean I don't know a lot of times aside from last year again and last year you could argue that the excitement at Abu Dhabi at the end of the race was you know I don't want to sound rude but I mean the excitement at the end of the year was a little, um, how would you say, I don't want to say manufactured, but essentially it was, you know, we had the championship tie going in, but yeah, this Abu Dhabi Grand Prix wasn't exactly the most exciting. It became more of a strategy battle than anything else. And personally where my favorite season finale has been, and I think you guys could agree with this with many memorable moments, like why not switch Abu Dhabi and Brazil? Like, Brazil, I guess that wouldn't make sense because of the calendar. Oh, my God. But does F1 really care about the calendar anyway? I mean, we got some weird traveling situations anyway. Or maybe move Abu Dhabi to the beginning of the year, switch Miami. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, not really exciting. I mean, this race, well, what do we have? We knew Max was already locked up for the championship. We did have an intriguing battle for a second, which... Ended up coming down to a little strategy. There was some cool midfield battles, especially, you know, with the Alpines and the McLarens. Aston Martin, I believe, trying to go after Alfa Romeo in that that regard. So uh, there were all these different little dynamics in the race that I thought were interesting and were cool. But, you know, the racing itself, I mean, there were some overtakes in the midfield. But again, a lot of it DRS assisted and DRS seems to have been the most controversial thing this year. Like a lot of people saying it's overpowering. And you could definitely see that Abu Dhabi, like that DRS was very powerful. And to me, the only problem I have with DRS is the DRS trains. I I do like that it adds this little ability to overtake. But and I I feel like this year, more so than other years, the DRS trains, I don't know if it's because the cars can follow a little closer, but the DRS trains have definitely been, um, you know, a little more (laughs) uh, prominent than usual. So, yeah, I mean, the Grand Prix itself, though, I I mean, I guess, what can we say? Well, Max, it it was basically, I think at some point it was Crofty or Brundle were saying this basically, this race is basically the summary of the season because you had Max just chilling out at first you had ferrari right behind and sergio perez it was like the like microcosm of the season what what has gone on all season long is basically how abu dhabi ended but 
Yeah. Um, the most intriguing battle, I guess, was that little strategy battle. And hey, Ferrari nailing the tire strategy for once, managing to secure Charles Leclerc that second place. And it got a little hairy for them. Granted, near the last couple of laps, I thought, I really was surprised. I thought Sergio was going to maybe catch them near the end of the race. But I guess, you know, the, the tire survived and Charles Leclerc pushed hard enough. And I think actually... In that last segment of the race, he expanded the lead a little bit. So, definitely a cool battle, though. But that was like, it was just enough to keep you intrigued, but just enough to be boring as well. Um, In the midfield, I mean, I guess the big story really for the weekend was this being Sebastian Vettel's, Daniel Ricciardo's, Mick Schumacher, Nicholas Latifi's last race. And especially it being... um, Sebastian Vettel's last race and basically to me that was the big story of the race weekend that was what made the race you know a little interesting and oh my god Aston Martin totally botching the strategy for Sebastian Vettel too the guy was running solid battling Esteban Ocon they they hold him out way too long on those tires and he goes to pit and now he's dropped back two spots I think he was up in eighth and he dropped back all the way to 10th And he was struggling just to stay in the points at that point. Or struggling to get back into the points, I should say. So, a poor shame they couldn't give Sebastian Vettel the better strategy. I thought that was insane. The dude's last race, you can't just help him out a little. And Lance Stroll, I mean, listen, I know Lawrence Stroll owns the team. But, dude, got such a favorable strategy. It feels like it's been the story of this year. And you got to feel for Sebastian Vettel in that last race. Because I think his car was so much better than the strategy they gave him. But... I mean, truly incredible. Daniel Ricciardo getting a solid race in the points. Mick, as his last race, not so good. Having contact with Nick Latifi. And Nick Latifi himself, you know, I think ended up retiring. So, you know, not not really the race we wanted to see from <laughs> those two guys, maybe. But um, maybe the race we kind of expected. Uh, to me, the biggest surprise of the race. And truly incredible when you think about it. Mercedes. The first time Lewis Hamilton has had, or anybody in Mercedes, has had a mechanical reliability issue retirement this year. That is downright incredible. A 22-race season and one reliability issue. I mean, every team up and down the grid has maybe had multiple reliability issues. And Lewis Hamilton retiring in this race was the first one for Mercedes in 22 races. That is just a downright incredible record and honestly like I don't want to be on the Mercedes hype train for 2023 but I do feel like Mercedes as a team and I I like where Total Wolf is coming from this like philosophically right so Total Wolf um basically saying listen we're gonna put that W13 right in the lobby we're gonna put it right in the lobby of our factory and we're gonna remind people we're gonna remind our employees, just how difficult the struggle can be. I like that motivation. I really think, listen, if you said last year Mercedes was a team that, uh, Mercedes was a team that was out for vengeance after what happened at the end of the 2021 season, I think this year, going into 2023, considering the adversity they dealt with, the struggle they have with the car, the fact that they slowly climb back up to recover it. I think Mercedes as a team next year 
is going to be even more determined. I think we're going to see super turtleneck Toto, right? We're going to see super villain Toto. And I think it's a determined team. And honestly, I think with the driver pairing they have, I think it's one of the most solid driver pairings on the grid. I think they have a good dynamic. Now, I know this year was different. They weren't fighting for a championship. But I do like what I saw, not just in Brazil. I like what I saw in Abu Dhabi, where Mercedes let them race and let them have at it. I like that dynamic. I think they both know where they are on this team. And I think it's I think it's going to be interesting. And I know, you know, we're all about team orders. I mean, that's been like the whole thing about Formula One forever. But it's going to be interesting to see really indeed what happens between these two guys next year. Because I really do think that Lewis and George have a very good dynamic. And when Mercedes find tweaks, whatever they got to find tweak, that might be an unstoppable duo. It might be one of the best duos we've seen in a long time. So I'm excited to see what Mercedes has. I think Red Bull is still going to be strong next year. I think Ferrari's always Ferrari's always Ferrari. They're a wild card, but I don't think our top three is really going to change too much next year. I hope it's a little closer, but you don't know. Uh, you know who else I got to feel for? So we're talking about this whole Sebastian Vettel weekend, right? And probably one of the most genuine guys this weekend of all people was Fernando Alonso. You don't expect it. Fernando Alonso always like sneaking in there. And I think it's kind of mind-blowing too that Fernando Alonso is the guy saying good luck to Seb in his retirement. I mean, who would have envisioned that 10 years ago, right? Like, <laughs> who would have thought that would be the case? But here we are, right? Fernando Alonso still going, still... I, honestly, Fernando Alonso, I know Lando, I think, was just voted driver of the year. If it weren't for reliability issues, and again, reliability issues with the Alpine, you gotta feel for Fernando. I am not surprised... That he's done with that team. Because the amount of reliability issues. And I don't have an official number with me. I'm not even going to look it up. But Fernando Alonso just had so many reliability issues. When he had pace. He was driving a great race again. And the Alpines suffered due to pace. uh, Due to reliability issues. I mean how many times. How many times. If Alpine could figure out their reliability issues. They could be a really, really strong team. And it's just mind-blowing that that, like, that one thing they can't figure out. And hey, to their credit though, Alpine, I mean, obviously, if Daniel Ricciardo had a better season, and I want to put it on Danny Rick, but let's call a spade a spade. Alpine over, Alpine, you know, secured P4 in the constructors, but... McLaren was right there, and you got to feel for McLaren because they probably should have been ahead of them if Daniel Rick uh, delivered as he should have. And, you know, you got to feel for Daniel Ricciardo. I know he's been struggling with this car all season long, but, I mean, you know, you got to feel for the dude. And I think it'll be interesting to see if Danny Rick does go to Red Bull, right? Like, if he does end up going to Red Bull, I think that'll be, you know, a good a good fit for him. I again I see him and a lot of people think like this is his route to come back. I, I don't see it as that. I think actually I see him more taking like, you know, we've seen like uh who is it? We've seen Mark Weber do it. I think David Coltard, right? Like, you know, you're kinda done with your career and you 
you do those promos and you do those fun things for Red Bull. I think I think once you start doing the fun things for Red Bull, and I'm not saying you can't come back. I mean, Alex Albon has come back. Nico Hulkenberg is back. Um, Esteban Ocon came back from a leave. I'm not saying that it's not possible, but I just feel like going to Red Bull as that reserve driver, as that promo driver is like, yeah, it's basically, you know, I think that's the end of Daniel Ricciardo's career. I'll be very surprised. If he comes back, and you never know what could happen. F1, as we've seen, is a very dynamic sport. But I'd be very, very surprised to see Daniel Ricciardo make a comeback. And I know he's trying to stay close in the loop. I I still think he should have gone racing somewhere. Somewhere. And I think, you know, but I guess from a mental health angle, too, he definitely needs some time off from maybe racing in general. You know, I was just thinking about it too. Like, I think Daniel Ricardo. I'm I'm not making excuses for him. I don't know his life story. I do know that I I feel like COVID. I I know he's mentioned it a few times. I think COVID and the F1 season was a little rough for him because I believe he mentioned that it was a long time before he was able to go back to Australia and like you know hang out with his family. It was it was a long time. So I think maybe he did have a little rough go with that whole covid season i'm not i'm just speculating and i want to you know say things just for saying it but i think you know maybe going back home going to wherever he wants to go and getting that little mental health regroup will be good just for him as a person and you know f1 we've seen f1 can be some of the best environments and some of the most toxic environments it's not the first time we've had you know drivers suffer due to what they might consider either the pressures of F1 or the toxicity of F1. I mean, you know, thinking back to Gasly and his struggles during his season with Red Bull, his half a season with Red Bull, right, um, when he moved up to the big team. We've, we've seen those struggles before, and, and and Roman Grosjean has been open about it. Lando Norris has been open about it. So, you know, for Daniel Ricciardo to take a step back, I don't think is really a bad thing, and I don't think... Um, he will regret it. I think, you know, at the end of the day, this will be the right move. And I think maybe going back to where he feels home at Red Bull is also a great move for, you know, mental health wise. But, you know, again, Daniel Ricciardo leaving the sport. I wrote about it yesterday, but Daniel Ricciardo, I think, um, for many people is somebody who a lot of these new F1 fans, right? If you were a Drive to Survive fan, I think one of your first experiences with F1 and one of your first, like, celebrities and, like, getting to know a driver is is Daniel Ricciardo. And I think that's another reason why he's been, obviously, uh, such a fan favorite. Like, and obviously his personality, too. If you've watched Formula 1 before Drive to Survive, you knew that Daniel Ricciardo, one of the biggest personalities on the grid, one of the, you know, his years at Red Bull were very impressive a rising star genuinely a great driver um off the paddock you know i know people know him for his goofiness his his memorable quotes daniel ricardo being daniel ricardo right but he's had his great moments as well and like i'm just thinking back to like races that you know obviously monaco with the power down right like uh some of his early wins the speed he had you know testing for red bull the his his debut year at red bull um finishing third in the constructor um in the World Drivers Championship twice, like his driving style, you know that that late breaking driving style that you know has defined him, and one of the reasons why he's been so good at like street races and things like that. Like 
there's a lot about Daniel Ricardo, not just, and I know a lot of people love the personality of Daniel Ricardo, and and arguably, a big props to Daniel Ricardo for, really, I think he helped grow Formula One by his appearances in Drive to Survive. I think, I think when people look at Daniel Ricardo, they see, I don't want to say a little bit of themselves, but they see a real genuine person, and I think that's one of the reasons why he resonates so much with the fans, and, um. <laughs> You know, but at the same time, the driver himself, like, nothing says it quite better than at the Russian Grand Prix. I think it was 20, I'm going to be so bad with my dates. It had to be 2020 when he was with Renault. He gets that engine penalty, and they basically say, Daniel, you have a five second penalty. He's like, all right, I'm just going to go faster. And he did. He actually, he absolutely pushed it and just pushed it to the limit and, and made up that penalty. And even if thinking back, like we had glimpses of it too, right at Mexico, like dude was lit out of a cannon and obviously tire strategy helped a little, but still he, he got that penalty on Yuki and just kept opening that lead. Like we've seen that glimpses at, of Daniel Ricardo this year, but we just haven't seen it all the time. And it's unfortunate that he's losing a ride. I think, I think there was a lot of potential there and I think things just didn't work out at McLaren. And it's truly a shame. But, and I know I'm barely talking about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, but again, such a boring race. I really don't have that much to say about it. So I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of rolling here, you know? I'm just kind of saying my thoughts on the season, my my thoughts on these drivers leaving. I'm just kind of going with it as I, uh, you know, think about the Constructors' Championship and all these things. And, you know, going into Daniel Ricciardo, we'll talk our, our, our really the person that, we're going to miss the most. And the driver that's retiring this year. And that is Sebastian Vettel. And there is so much to say about Sebastian Vettel. And where to even begin. Because I think for a lot of F1 fans my age. A lot of F1 fans that grew up watching F1. You know, if you started watching F1. Um, you know, I think I rate. I'd say I watched it in the early 2000s, right? So, if you started watching earlier than the early 2000s, like, if you watched anywhere between, like, the year 2000, if you were, like, from the Michael Schumacher, Ferrari era to now, I think Sebastian Vettel has been one of your favorite drivers. And, really, (laughs) Sebastian Vettel's career has literally been one of the greatest (laughs) um careers of f1 you know one of the most storied careers one of the most you know both it's just amazing thinking about sebastian vettel's like transformation from who he was in those red bull days to as he went to ferrari to as he went to aston martin and just how he's changed as a as a driver as a person um i think there is such a huge difference between the Sebastian Vettel of, you know, Red Bull, those early years, uh, championship winner, you know, the, 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 you know, the multi 21 era to the Sebastian Vettel we have now. And it, it truly is incredible because he really was when, when Sebastian Vettel started arguably one of the, one of the more, uh, one of the more, uh, cocky, drivers as a young driver right like definitely (laughs) definitely interesting um to see (laughs) 
who he was and how he really became, you know, that person. And, and he meant so much to meant so much to Red Bull, I think, as a driver too. Like, obviously, you know, his years with Weber were, were interesting, but you know, four time champion, just incredibly, an incredibly great racing record to begin with, and you know, just meaning so much to that Red Bull team. Um, you know, I think just, you can't, you can't explain what Sebastian Vettel has meant for this sport and, and just on the track, off the track, uh, you know, the, you know, his, his run as a championship winner was downright impressive four in a row. Um, you know, really leading the way for Red Bull to become one of the top teams in Formula One and he literally like, you know, brought Red Bull to, you know, as much as Cotard and Weber did, um, Sebastian Vettel, his contributions to that team and making that team what it was really cannot be understated. And and obviously the biggest disappointment I think in the career of Sebastian Vettel was his time at Ferrari. Those times he was so close to, you know, bringing Ferrari back and, you know, he was back at the team of his hero, Michael Schumacher. And, you know, he just had he had good cars and it just never it didn't materialize. Mercedes ended up getting him at the end, but you know, still a great run with Ferrari as well, except for that, you know, that 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 very disappointing last two seasons. But I mean you gotta admit though, like whatever you wanna say, he's always been a great driver, even when he struggled with Ferrari. He had, you know, that that podium at Turkey that was downright impressive. Um you know, thinking back to even with Aston Martin, right? His drive at Baku getting on the podium. Even his drive at Hungary, right? Like, obviously, one of the most frustrating DQs, but still a solid, solid race and, and really deserved to be on the podium and even was fighting for the race win at one point in that in that race. So, um, you know, Sebastian Vettel has displayed, even with the struggles at Aston Martin, his struggles with Ferrari, he still displayed these moments of greatness on the track. And even this year, right? Like, Aston Martin was a... Like, that car was a piece of trash going into the beginning of the season. Yet, he still managed to secure some great finishes near the end of the year. So, you know, say what you want about it. Say, you know, what how is, you know, last couple of years went in Formula 1. I don't think is... It's not, it's not appropriate to, you know, say that the man was finished. I think, you know... With a better car, there was so much more that he definitely could have done. And, you know, I just... We're going to miss Sebastian Vettel, a, a true icon. And, and even off the track, man, the way Sebastian Vettel has become... It seems like, obviously, what was truly incredible... To, to tell you what Sebastian Vettel means off the track. First of all, just thinking back to the last several years, right? Like, And I know he explained that he's changed as a person since having kids. He's He's been you know, environmentally conscious. He's been focusing on these other issues. And I don't think, I don't know what Sebastian Vettel thought in his personal opinions 10 years ago, but I don't think we would have seen, I don't think we could have envisioned this being the Sebastian, the Sebastian Vettel in 2022. I don't think any of us or could have envisioned. And I don't, I mean that in the nicest of the ways, like, I don't think we saw him being this guy, but obviously he had children his perspective on life started to change and and to his credit he stuck with it and and nobody has been 
they're more upfront and used. Other than Lewis Hamilton, no one else in this sport has been more upfront about being aware of issues that exist. Whether you know whether Sebastian Vettel was fighting for the environment, recycling, staying after races to clean up tracks, um, supporting social issues, right? Like Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ issues, the war in Ukraine. There's just been a list and. It truly is incredible to see that transformation. And for a guy that has meant so much on the track to, to do the same off the track. Right? We're talking about one of the best reigning world champions in the sport doing this alongside, you know, at times alongside the winningest or tied for the winningest champion in the sport, Lewis Hamilton. We've seen them work together. So there is just so much about Sebastian Vettel. We've seen him helping marshals. We've seen him, you know, being cognizant, asking about, you know, when Lando Norris crashed, right? Asking if he was okay, advising the FIA that, the, you know, red flags should have been sent down in Belgium that one time. Um, there's just so much about Sebastian Vettel. And, and clearly he's meant a lot to the drivers because this weekend was literally a Sebastian Vettel celebration. And and honestly could not be more well-deserved, more well-earned. I don't think we have seen a retirement like this since Michael Schumacher's second retirement, right? Like, the dude has, <laughs> you know, the team, he got, because of Sebastian Vettel, all the teams, all the drivers got together, went out to dinner to celebrate Sebastian Vettel. They all went out to dinner, to celebrated Sebastian Vettel, uh, took photos with him, ate with him, talked to him. Truly incredible. On top of that, the next, you know, they do the uh, they did the the run of the track for Sebastian Vettel with all the drivers. Um, the only disappointing thing we didn't get, and I don't know if this was Alpine's fault. I don't know if this was. I don't know if there was something planned, but I really wanted to see celebratory donuts with um, Sebastian Vettel. Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton won last time. And, and we were around to that due to, well, first of all, Fernando Alonso had the reliability issue. Then Lewis Hamilton had the reliability issue. Like, come on, guys. You could have just made this possible for, for one last time. But, yeah, truly, truly a storied career for Sebastian Vettel. And, I, and he's going to be missed. And, you know, I think a lot of people are speculating what will Sebastian Vettel do from here. And And I don't know. I think, like, who was mentioning it? Somebody was talking about him being like... Uh, I think someone was talking... I I swear to God this came up in one of the FP2 sessions or FP sessions. You know, when they're... I think it was like Ted Kravitz or somebody talking about, you know... Sebastian Vettel being sort of like the... The um, sports therapist for <laughs> for his team. and uh, Or for some young drivers. And to his credit, I think... Could Sebastian Vettel do it? I believe so. I think Sebastian Vettel could be, you know, someone who guides young drivers. Uh, I also heard rumors somewhere around there that he was offered a management position at Red Bull. Um, or if he was, that maybe he would take it. I, I don't know. I, I think we're not going to see the last of Sebastian Vettel. I think he's going to be around a lot. I don't know what he's going to do now with his, you know, uh, different green initiatives and stuff like that. Uh, but... It would be cool to see him back on the paddock in some capacity. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to make a comeback later on. I don't, I don't know. But 
yeah, truly interesting to see um, where he will take his career from there. And, and you know, definitely a guy well-deserving of an early retirement. I still feel like, you know, he's we're, we're being robbed a little bit of more Sebastian Vettel. As I think we're going to see guys like Lewis and, you know, Fernando Alonso go for a long time. But truly props to a big career. And, you know, I think somebody that has shaped... A lot of the fandoms of a lot of F1 fans. And I think, you know, even if you weren't a Red Bull fan back in the day, you might have been a Sebastian Vettel fan. And and I don't think there's, you know, people might have hated him early on, but I don't think there's anybody now. I doubt there are. I mean, I haven't, like, scoured the internet, but if you're someone that hates Sebastian Vettel now, I would have to ask you why. Like, why would you... Why do you not like Sebastian Vettel, the driver, now? Because that man has just accomplished so much in a great F1 career. And and we're going to miss him. So props to Sebastian Vettel in his retirement. And, you know, um, for those other drivers that are done, you know, Daniel Ricciardo, Mick Schumacher, Nick Latifi, I wish them the best. I hope they find something to move on to. I hope, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, Daniel Ricciardo going with Red Bull. I would love to see Daniel Ricciardo ride with NASCAR or something like that. Mick, Mick, I think, uh, you know, maybe he'll find his way back to F1, maybe be a reserve driver for Mercedes. I know Toto has said some stuff. I'll talk more about that on the next podcast during the week. And then uh, Nick Latifi, supposedly rumored to go to IndyCar. So we're going to see where these drivers go, but it's been a long F1 season. It hasn't exactly been the most entertaining seasons, but... Props to Red Bull on their Constructors' Championship. Props to Max Verstappen on his World Drivers' Championship. And now, I do not know what I'm going to do for the next several months with no F1. But I will still be talking to you guys every week. So, keep listening. Keep enjoying. I'll find something to talk about next week. Probably watch some old races. Really determined to do that. Or season summaries. Talk to you about old F1 races. And really just take a look back at some of the other times in Formula 1 history. So, until then, guys. Have a good weekend, enjoy, and I'll talk to you later.